0: Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Borellis. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Here you go. One,
1: two, three. Welcome to the Theater Podcast, intimate personal conversations with theater's biggest talents. I am your host, Alan Seals, and that is New York background noise. I'm currently sitting in the dressing room uh, with uh, the smart, funny, amazing triple threat. Got her start on So You Think You Can Dance season six. You may know her from Broadway shows such as Bring It On, Hamilton, A Bronx Tale, currently starring in Disco Donna, <laughs> starring as Disco Donna in Summer, the Donna Summer musical. I- Ariana DeBose.
0: That's my name. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm good.
1: We're sitting here. This is like a living room inside your dressing room. It
0: is. It's, I call it my sitting room, uh, and it's where I receive my guests after the show. Uh, it's nice. I always wanted one of these. You know what I mean? When you're, when you first get your a Broadway show and whoever's starring in the, inside show, you go into that dressing room. It's very chic, and you realize, oh wow, when you're a star you have a place to sit down <laughs> like a couch with nice things around it yes. so this is very fun
1: this is beautiful did you, you. do you decorate it or does i did it, does not decorate it come decorated like
0: it, this no uh good sir mike harrison the interior designer um uh designed this for me he uh uh has if you check him out on his instagram he basically does this as a passion project he
1: you're serious? Uh, yeah, I'm serious. Who does There's
0: somebody who does this. Broadway star dressing yeah. rooms. Yeah, he specializes. It. He worked with Laura Osnes. He'll also, you know, design your home as well. Um, but pretty much any star on Broadway in the last, you know, three years or so, he's done their dressing room. It's pretty great. That he's got a good thing going.
1: I had no idea. That's incredible. Yeah. This orchid needs some attention over here, though. Oh, it's dead. But, it's yeah. fine. <laughs> so let's, let's get into the reason people are listening. Uh, <laughs> um, of course, uh, nor- from North Carolina, I want to get into your childhood, who you are, where did you come from? What what kind of kid were you? In what part of Raleigh? Uh, not Raleigh. Are you from Raleigh?
0: Well, I was yeah. born in Wilmington, North okay. Carolina. Um, and um, I lived with my grandmother and my mom at the time. My mom was in college. Uh, or finishing up her degree when I came along. So my grandmother was very involved in raising me in my formative years. And then my mom graduated and got her first job teaching. She's a public school teacher in New Bern, North Carolina.
1: Newburn. Uh,
0: yeah. You know, we, they need some, some love right about now. A lot mm-hmm. of hurricane devastation going yes. on down there. Um, but I went to elementary school in New Bern. And then my mom then got a better job in Raleigh. And that's when I moved to Raleigh.
1: Right. And then what kind of child were you? Where, how did you get into performing? And- I
0: mean, I was very outgoing. I, apparently I was, you know, came out the womb kicking and moving and, you know, wiggling. So they are like, she's either a soccer player or a dancer. And uh, my, I think it was my grandmother's idea to put me in dance. So I started with Ballet Tap Jazz. I was very curious and clearly very competitive kind of from the jump. I I liked being good at things. I do remember that very strategically. But I loved being social. I liked spending time with people I didn't know. I loved going to playgrounds. I was that kid, and like playing with sticks or you know swinging mm-hmm. on the jungle gym or whatnot. I was very athletic, um, <laughs> along with being outgoing <laughs> and very cute. I was the ivory baby actually, yeah. like ivory soap. Mm-hmm. They used to. We oh, like the actual, like the a, actual ivory baby. Wow! I, I th- if I'm correct, I think it was the last ivory baby um, that they ever crowned, quote unquote, um, which was kind of cool. That was back in what 93 and 92 or 93, and I was a biracial baby that was the poster child for this soap company, um, and that was before Brown was in. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, so that was kind of cool. Um, but I was I was a outgoing, sunny disposition type of child.
1: And then I I noticed at one point, uh, you said you're an award-winning competitive dancer by 13? Yeah, I was.
0: I trained at a competitive dance studio, um, CC and Comedy Dance Complex. And I was really lucky and fortunate that they brought in guest choreographers um, each season to work with us. It wasn't just like a summer intensive. Like, we had the benefit of working with them All year round, whenever they were available, so a lot of those names that you see on So You Think You Can Dance, or within the first seven seasons or so, those names I had already worked with because they were in my hometown. No kidding. Yeah, it was awesome. It was awesome training. So, um, and I took ballet three times a week. You know, from age like eleven till I graduated high school. So I had very sound technique, but I was uh, I was trained to be versatile in a lot of different genres. You know, I could do. Hip hop. I could do lyrical hip hop. I could just give you straight jazz. I could turn around and give you contemporary, or you know, distinguish between contemporary and lyrical. Like, what is the difference? Does anyone know? Um, you know, or or theater theater dance. Uh, so that's uh, that was how that went. You know, I ran the the circuits: Dark West International Dance Competition, Star Power, <laughs> West Coast Dance Explosion. New York City Dance Alliance. I I ran the gamut in in that way.
1: Then where did the singing come in?
0: I, that's funny. Um, I participated in high school theater. That's when I discovered I couldn't hold a tune. They cast me in fame. No kidding. Yeah, that was my first musical. I was Carmen, and I was flat as a pancake for most of it. But I really liked it because it was hard. It didn't come easy to me. I like as I said, I'm competitive, but I like a challenge. I don't like it to be too easy. So I, I stuck with it. And then the next thing I did was that summer I was cast as AIDA in AIDA. And it was a, like an all-county production mm-hmm. of the show. So I wasn't just working with kids from my school. I was working with kids from all over my county, which was awesome. Because we also we had several different public schools, but we had an arts magnet school. So we mm-hmm. were all thrown in together. And there was no distinguishment of like, well, you're better because you go to the art school and I'm less because I'm just in regular school. Uh, so that was awesome to play a lead role. And I was going into my sophomore year at the time mm-hmm. and I didn't know what I was doing. So it was me, Heather Headley. And what's his name? Um, oh, no. This Uh-oh. is bad. Uh-oh. Who, who played Rodemais originally? Oh, come on. See, you're bad theater people, too. You don't know either. Anyways. But really, it was me, Heather Hedley, and the cast recording, and I was trying to learn how to sing.
1: Quick. So thank you. Someone Google
0: it. Someone Google it. Get back to me.
1: (laughs) We'll have to do, like, a a fact check at the end of this. Oh,
0: my God. Please do a fact check. Make sure Um, my facts about myself are right. (laughs) Good luck with that.
1: Um, And then, so after high school, uh, what, what was that?
0: I had... Well, I auditioned for So You Think You Can Dance Mm -hmm. while I was still in high school. I was getting ready to take my finals of senior year. And I asked my mom if me and my friend could go down to Georgia so I could audition. She was like, that's a terrible idea. You have finals next week. What happens when you get the show? I was like, well, I don't know. We don't know if I'm going to get it. I just want to try. So I went and I ended up making it to Mm -hmm. the Vegas week round. And um, by that fall, I, I had accepted a, you know, a spot at Western Carolina University in their mm-hmm. BFA musical theater program. And I chose to take a semester off and compete in the show. So I did that and uh, went back to school in the spring semester, which was very short-lived. Uh, Because at that point, I was like, well, that was a basically professional experience. In my mind, it was. I ended up getting paid by the end of it to do it. Um, So I was like, well, I can work. See? Fox told me I could work. I could work. So I stayed in school for three months. And I wasn't happy. I'd gone through a bit of depression. I was terribly skinny. God. And... um, I was like, you know what? This is for the birds. I'm not doing well. I know I can dance. I believe in myself. Go try. And the day I got here, I booked a job. Which one? I was going, I got a job dancing on One Life to Live in their, like, Starcross Lovers series. Oh, that's You know, true. Glee was at its height, and everybody wanted a, a Glee version of something, something. Mm-hmm. So I was a dancing high schooler. It was great.
1: But did you take your high school finals?
0: I did. Good. And I passed them. Good. I had, like, a 4.2 GPA. I was smart. I'm still smart.
1: It's like, was, yeah. You, you know, you're know, still I just, smart cookie.
0: It's funny. I think there's a big, um, just quickly, I think there's a stigma on folks who don't go to college for what it is that they do. Um, and I totally don't agree with that because I don't think college is for everybody. Mm-hmm. Granted, I do think that college and higher education is very important, and a lot of people need that, especially if you're coming into the arts, like. Don't come here if you don't have a very strong sense of self and a buttload of cash, because it's hard and the rejection on top of feeling like you're struggling or whatnot. It it will only get harder after if that. You
1: work work to what is it? If you work to live, you're not going to work to work Yeah. or whatever the yeah whatever the yeah saying
0: is. It's something like that.
1: Um, and then bring it on Broadway debut in 2012. Yeah, that was and then... so how quick? How <laughs> yes, yeah, so that was very quick and. and I guess you were still young at this point. Did 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 you understand did you realize the gravitas of what you had just stepped into?
0: I think I knew I knew the show was going to be special. I had booked I had three job offers on the table at one time, inc- that included bring it on. And I chose to do that show because I it meant I was creating something, something new that had never been done with someone I deeply respected Angie Blankenbuehler mm-hmm. and, you know, and Lynn manuel and Tom Kitt. And I knew this team and I knew um, that they were the upcoming stars and, like, leaders of the industry I wanted to work in. So when we were doing the developmental workshop, did I understand the gravitas? No. But when I got here and, I'll be honest, Judith Light showed up to a preview of our show and then tweeted about Lynn and mentioned me as, like, you know, a a great talent in this show, I was like, wait a second. Oh, anybody can come see you at any time. You know, like you're you're standing on a Broadway stage at the St. James Theater, like the history of the St. James Theater. Like you're a part of that legacy now. It was Mm -hmm. the first time I'd really had the opportunity to, understand and believe that I was a part of a legacy and it was the first time you begin to understand what the, that word means it's it's a very special moment
1: hmm. and then next year is Motown yeah wonderful show yeah and a good one. and was that uh, I mean the, the the music and playing Diana Ross mm-hmm. you actually got to go in as Diana Ross yeah. was that uh, was that role something uh, that meant something special to you compared to the other ones?
0: You know, at the time, to be perfectly honest, I, when I booked that show, I knew we had an end date for Bring On and I wanted to keep working. Um, you know, I was definitely in that age-old space, headspace as an actor of like, I'm never going to work again. And then I was lucky enough to find another team that very quickly said, no, we would like you to come work with us. Um, and I started that show five days after bringing on Closed. And to be perfectly honest, I grew up on their music. My grandmother and I would drive down, you know, 421. And...
1: I live off 421. Used to. Hey. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah, So you know it's a long stretch of road. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's right. Um,
0: so we'd drive down a highway listening to the Sherrells and the Supremes and the music of the 60s and the Beatles. And so... It, I knew the music, and part of me wanted to do it for her, because um, it it gave me a little bit of home. And then I, all of the other experiences and the knowledge that I gained from doing the show, and and really getting into the psyche of what it what it felt like for these women to be ahead of their time and to make a space for people where there hadn't been a space before, that was really valuable to me. Not just specifically playing Diana Ross. I mean, those are very large robes to wear. Mm -hmm. And they're heavy and pretty, (laughs) but they're heavy. Um, And I was 21. I was still 21 when I started that job. Wow. I was the youngest member of the company at the time, save the little boys. Right. But of the adult company. So I, I did feel some pressure. And I will say I was not always taken seriously in that building by my castmates. Really? Yes. I was... I was beautifully underestimated, but I will. I think that that's the best place to be. I'd rather you underestimate me because I will always prove you wrong.
1: Outshine, yeah, outshine the expectations. You know,
0: because they're they're false, you mm-hmm. know. And most people underestimating you is really about them. But if you remember, it's like I'm not I'm not there for you. I'm here for the job. I'm here for the work. I'm here for the story. I'm here to do my job and to grow. So, I think that's where I really learned. Uh, that that's what I was made of, mm-hmm. that I did have the ability to go, wow, I can work with these people, many of whom I love and adore and respect immensely, and we're not always going to see eye to eye and they are not always going to like me because my job is to keep that curtain up and to the show must go on. And I'm sorry if you don't happen to like it that I'm the person who has to do it, but it is my job and yeah. it's why I make my paycheck. So it's it's fascinating. I but you know, be young, scrappy, and hungry. Namaste.
1: Speaking <laughs> of of young, scrappy, and hungry, uh, of course, Pippin, twenty fourteen. Yeah. I'm, I'm skipping. I'm skipping over so many notes here because you know, <laughs> there's so much to talk about. Um, this little thing called Hamilton. A couple yeah. people have heard of it. Um, and and you were the bullet. Yeah. Which was amazing, and for for I was going to say for some reason, but I I don't. I guess it was such a unique role. You got so much attention just for being cool. a bullet.
0: It was cool. It was cool. I mean, I think it—the idea that an inanimate op- object can be personified by a woman, by a woman of color—I mm-hmm. um, think that was just another another element of what made Hamilton great. You know, the storytelling was outside of the box. The way, the way they used the text and the lyric and you know you know bringing rap to broadway and making that genre even more relevant than it already was i think the idea of the bullet was kind of that little extra cherry on top mm-hmm. you know you got women's empowerment with the skylar sisters and it that was just another like yeah, and that girl too. Wait a second, <laughs> you know. And I, I, to- I totally give credit to Andy for that idea, and you know, for giving me the opportunity to do that. But uh, little, little known fact: I actually came up with that hashtag.
1: Really, that was me. Yeah. Wow. Um. Things you learn. The
0: things, the things you learn, and well, it was fun because it, it just helped. I, I like connecting with the fans, and it was one way that I could connect with them as, as an individual within, within the group.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: we had so many amazing wonderful crazy talented people in that group that oh, is amazing
1: cool. i mean the cast now i, I saw with the original cast and of course yeah. went in with no expectations blew me away of course yeah <laughs> i saw you twice years and years and years ago uh, well not years and years it's only been a few but time flies though when what, you're having fun. i mean what was it like being part of that 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 changed theater yeah. in a way that will that i guess we'll never recover from in a good way
0: in a good way yes in a good way i uh being on the inside of it was fascinating. And, you know, I recently ran into Leslie and Renee. We were on a meeting. Um, and, you know, people ask that question all the time, no matter where we are. And it's, it's hard to find an answer because when you're in it and it's happening to you, You're just doing your best to take it all in and and value it for what it's worth. It was a whirlwind. It was a tornado. It was a hurricane. There was an eye. There were gusts of wind. There was like, you know, a house didn't fall on anybody's head by any stretch of the mind. But, you know, it was a lot. Um, And it's something that I don't think we'll find any other words besides extraordinary for until like a decade down the line. Yeah. It's changed everything for all of us. (coughs) I I think the show opened doors for each and every single one of us that might not have been opened. Uh, Had we not done the show, uh, I certainly believe that it has provided me with a great opportunity to um, continue to grow, you know? And it's certainly a very good talking point.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I've got so many more. Um, Wonderful. then Bronx Tale, that, so Hamilton was twenty fifteen, mm-hmm. Bronx Tale twenty sixteen, mm-hmm. uh, with my buddy Michael Barra. Yeah. yeah, I love that guy. He's
0: a um, special um, one. Cannolis.
1: Then, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and now, of course, Summer, yeah. um, one of one of the Donna Summers, and a Tony nomination for this role. It's crazy. Congratulations! Thank and you. How has your life changed since that point? That's been recent.
0: Yeah. Uh, I think I'm just now coming down off of the cloud and trying to, you know, adult and normalize again, you know, find your routine Um, uh, and just get back to the bones of being an actor. You know, that's all I really ever wanted. It's like, yes, I came into the industry as a dancer, but I just really wanted to be an actor and I wanted to be taken seriously as an actor. So that nomination was important to me because I was nominated as Best Featured Actress, not Best Featured Dancer
1: mm-hmm. in a musical.
0: Um, the word actor was, was really important to me. Um, you know, I think there's a whole different set of challenges and blessings when you continue to move up in your industry. I love my show. I love this job. I do. Oh, man. I don't know if I'll ever really get another one that is tailored like this. I certainly hope to. I hope to continue to create and originate work. But this one really was tailored around me. And uh, that's not, you know, that's not too far away in, for me in my brain. Um, but I also know that once you enter this echelon, you know, You have to face the realities like when you're doing principal work, you might not work as often, especially when you're a woman of color. You know, I think there are a lot of shows that are being produced now that that provide bigger roles and featured like wonderfully arced featured parts and leading roles for women of color in particular. They're still few and far between, however, and everybody wants a job. So I'm lucky to be to have my name included in. What is what I consider to be a short list, because I wish there were more names on the list, mm-hmm. to be perfectly honest, even mm-hmm. though it means a little more c- competitive. Like, I'd love to see more names on that list. Um, but I'm certainly glad to be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it just makes, it makes me have to up my game. It's like, this is actually not the time to coast. I don't get to just sit down and be like, I did it! Yay! <laughs> <laughs> that was about a month ago. The yay part. Yeah. Um now I'm back into okay. You got to keep training. Not only do you have to be excellent at the job that you currently have, and that you the role that you were nominated for, but you have to go out there and continue to build new skills.
1: What do you do to train?
0: Oh well, I take acting classes. I do.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I I'm typically like a roll through monthly. You know what I mean. If I can't try to go twice a week or twice twice a month, at least. Um, Just to, you know, stay on your feet. I like classes that they are like, hey, here's your side for the day. You have a four-hour session. And at some point during the day after you've watched and taken, you know, little things from everybody, you go, you perform your your ditty, la, 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 la. Or perhaps I just go and I observe said class. And I'm like, oh, I see what that person did. Maybe I'll try that. Maybe there's a space for it in my show. You just never know. Hmm. Um, And I'll take dance class from time to time. But most importantly, it's important that I continue to train my voice i take voice lessons once a week
1: that's great yeah uh i i really like the kind of the theme of the stories that you've that you've been coming back with here especially starting with diana ross is is being a part of something uh is kind of ahead of its time and you're leaving legacy behind and changing changing as you go i guess so like yeah i, I get you yeah, being diana ross you're playing this person who embodied that and then yeah. part of Hamilton which is that like in in every aspect of what the show is and now you know of course with Donna Summer uh, this is a cast uh, almost entirely of women.
0: Yeah it's huge it's important
1: it's like your dance partners are women. Yeah
0: my dance and they are fantastic partners in fact I think Jenny LaRoche might be the best dance partner I've ever had there I said it <laughs> yeah she twirls me around that stage like nobody else. Um it's awesome because it's, you know, gender today. It's fluid. It doesn't matter. But I think this show and the statement it makes by, you know, the display you see on stage with so many women who are embodying feminine and masculine energy, but still very much being women, that's important mm-hmm. because those are the women of today. Those are the women you see walking down the street. Those are the women who are buying tickets. Those are the women running companies. You know, or babysitting your children. Like, those Those are the women of today. And, you know, while there are moments where I I become a little disappointed that that's not what I think is the largest selling point of our show, it's an important point of our show. Mm -hmm. And if you don't walk in expecting to see that, it is what you leave talking about. And that is important, especially 2019.
1: (laughs) Woo yeah. Yes, which we are coming upon very soon. At the time of recording, <laughs> the magic of podcast time travel. Here. Right. <laughs> and speaking of like all the stuff that you do, I guess to to further your craft and to stay involved, you you constantly are doing cabarets.
0: Yeah, <laughs> or uh, benefit concerts. You know, I am. Um, I'm about to do one, a cabaret of my own, um, which I haven't really done in. Mm-hmm. I think the last one I did of my own was typed out, and I was I just left Motown. Mm-hmm. I think that's the last time I had done it. Maybe I was in Pippin. I can't remember. Time flies when you're having fun. Um, but I only do my own cabarets when I feel like I have something to say. Um, so I'm very much looking forward to it, and we'll see if any of it's coherent. November 5th. La, la, la.
1: At uh, Birdland.
0: Birdland. at 30 p.m. in the theater space. Yes. It'll be dashing. Uh, but I, I do a lot of benefit concerts, and I participate in a lot of, I guess you could call it group cabaret, um, because it's it's fun. I enjoy it. It's a different level of intimacy with an audience in a cabaret venue. And I, I'm, i yes, I'm playing a character. I'm playing a version of myself. And it's probably my cabaret work, probably the closest I let an audience get to the real human than Mm. I am. You know what I mean? I use my humanity in my work, but you, you do have to find a safe space between Ariana DeBose, the actor and who Ariana DeBose, the human is.
1: Right. So going, actually, it's a great segue going to the human part of, of yourself. Um, i want to talk about uh, pride for a second. I want to quote mm-hmm. you here. I read, you said, Pride, by definition, is the feeling of deep pleasure and satisfaction derived from one's own accomplishments. It's also one of the seven deadly sins. <laughs> the duality of the word is ironic. It's ongoing, yet fleeting, overwhelming, and wonderful, or a means of defeat. Pride is tricky. It is. How do you navigate your own sexuality and your own pride in today's world?
0: You know, it's day to day. Pride is fluid. Um, I think the importance of of understanding myself, my understanding of my my behavior, my my tendencies. You know, why things come up, what my reactions are, why they exist, where did they come from, la, all of that good stuff. That has to do with understanding pride, um, because you have to be proud of your flaws and and the humanity and the, in, and the beauty of, 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 of all that that encompasses. Mm. Uh, my understanding of my sexuality is that I genuinely like humans, genuinely. It's like, it's an energy thing for me. I walk down the street and I'm that sensitive to energy where if there's someone with rank energy within 20 feet of me, I will cross the street. I I'm sensitive to it, mm-hmm. but I'm also sensitive to feelings of wow, I've never met anybody like that. Wait a second. I I'm gonna ask you another question. I'd, I I want to keep talking to you. Can we have a drink? Wait, I'm not done. Go. Oh, oh well. Can I can I can I have your number? Do you, Do you like email? <laughs> you know, I I, sexuality to me is more about. Um, or at least where I currently am in this moment is about how familiar I feel like your soul is to mine and what that conversation is. That's where my sexuality then comes in because there's, there's charm, there's lust, there's, there's intimacy and how you cultivate that. That's what it has the makings of a relationship and la, 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 la. Um, I think that, uh, I think that that's the most important part of pride is that you can be proud in how you relate to another person. Not proud that that person is a man or that person is a woman or a trans woman or a non-binary identifying man, blah, 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 nothing, nothing. Maybe they just want to be them.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: You don't have to be proud of those labels. You can just be proud of being human you know? Yep. Claim what you want. It's, it's absolutely your right. I claim humanity.
1: I love that. <laughs> so we're running short on time because your show, you have to go get ready for your show soon. Um, so well, we've keep got a, going. Yes. We've got a few, we got three, three questions should be quick answers for you. Our, okay. sta- our standard closing. I'll try. Here. I am like long winded. V- Very simply. What motivates you?
0: Is it bad that my first reaction was proving people wrong?
1: <laughs> there is no wrong answer.
0: Um, that's part of it. And then part of it is um, I I just want to be of service. I really just want to try to help people and this is the only way I know how. I'm not a rich person, um, but I, I give through my art. I give you compassion and empathy, sympathy. I give you everything I possibly can. Humor through my heart.
1: Yeah. What advice would you give to your younger self and younger people listening now starting out down a similar path?
0: You know, go big or go home. You know, be ambitious, but be kind about it. Mm-hmm. You know, your goals are your own, they have nothing to do with anybody else. So try and remember that and have compassion for those who don't quite understand it. Yeah.
1: If you could only see one show for the rest of your life, <laughs> you can see it as many times as you want. What show would you see?
0: Oh, wow. That's really hard. There were two that came to my mind. They are sort of like person specific. Great comment. I would see that show over and over and over again anytime. It's a bummer. It closed, which was not my fault, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> we will not talk about this on that podcast, but for the record, I had nothing to do with that and Chicago because it's timeless that musical is timeless and I also just want to be Roxy Hart yeah. so
1: with anybody in it particularly
0: opposite me or me in it
1: oh no you're going to see it so you're watching although <laughs>
0: oh, I can't be in it Um, you know I I I wish I had been around when Annie Riking was playing Roxy just there's something special about first cast mm-hmm. you know there's mm-hmm. There's an energy. You see it with Hamilton and you see it with, you know, the Dear Evan Hansen Company. It's like they're first companies in general. There's just some magic that is really hard to duplicate. Um, but, you know, Charlotte Dumbo's will always be my favorite Roxy no, to my
1: own. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, so. thank you so much for doing this. My pleasure. People can connect with you on Instagram and Twitter at Ariana DeBose. Yeah, so basic. Are you on so YouTube, Facebook? Do you
0: uh, have- I do have a Facebook page. I feel like it's facebook.com backslash Ariana and DeBose. And N is Nancy.
1: Is that yeah. your middle name?
0: Well, no, not Nancy. <laughs> Certainly not. I, I
1: um,
0: do not. <laughs> could you imagine Ariana? Ariana, Nancy, get back here! <laughs> um, oof, that's gross. Um, and uh, I and no, I don't have a YouTube channel. I do not. I do not. I, do, I like the YouTubes, but I don't really like being on it.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I appreciate it. You, you can get more of me, get more of the theater podcast at theater underscore podcast on Instagram and Twitter, also on Facebook at slash official theater podcast. And then the music you're hearing right now playing underneath you is Jukebox the Ghost. Big thanks to those guys for lending their support to the podcast here. Again, Ariana, thank you. This has been wonderful.
0: Thank you, Alan. Thank you for having me. <laughs>